0: You're listening to episode 5 of season 2 of Musings of an Introverted Black Boy. Thank you so much for tuning in. Musings of an Introverted Black Boy is a weekly short form podcast series dedicated to exploring themes of love, identity, politics, race, social justice, and the 21st century coming of age experience. New episodes will be released every Sunday, and each one will more or less focus on one of these topics. Now, I should be honest with you, there are no other co-hosts. There are no special guests lined up for the weeks to come. This is a very intimate podcast. It's just me and you. But through each week's episode, it is my hope that we together can begin to uncover and embrace the common truths that lie at the heart of our individual experiences. So, I hope you'll join in. Hello, everyone. I hope you all are doing well. For today's episode, I'm going to do something a little different. I'm not going to do an episode recap or anything like that. I'm just going to jump right in. Prior to yesterday, I had a pretty good understanding of what I wanted to talk about. But then yesterday happened, and I had no choice but to switch gears. Yesterday, I attended the Global Citizen Festival in Central Park. It's a huge annual festival that usually caps off United Nations Week here in the city, There are celebrities and activists and world leaders and, of course, musical performers. I didn't really plan on going, actually. I didn't even know this was a thing. But I was able to get a ticket through my job and I decided to go, which was kind of a big deal for me. In the past couple months, let's just say I've become notorious for not really leaving my apartment on weekends. It's not that I hate being adventuresome or social in some settings. It's just that I get lazy and comfortable in my apartment so I don't really leave. But thanks to positive peer pressure, especially from my new good friend and co-worker Chanel, I decided to go. The music lineup was really good. There was John Legend, Cardi B, Janet Jackson, Janelle Monae in the weekend. And it was going to be a nice, sunny, but not too hot day. So I really had nothing to lose. After waiting in the longest line I have ever seen in my life, we finally got into the show. John Legend and Cardi B, who I was excited to see, were great, as to be expected. And after Cardi B set, I was ready to see Janet Jackson, who I have never seen perform live. I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not that well-versed in her music, but she's a legend, so I wanted to see her. By that time, night had fallen, so it was dark. There were lights illuminating the open field where the concert was being held, but it was still nighttime, so it was pretty dark. As I was waiting amidst the thousands of people that were there for the festival, something happened that I don't think I will ever forget. Around 7.30, I looked up and saw a whole crowd of people running towards me in the direction of the exit. And they were clearly running for their lives. It took me a few seconds to process what was happening, but then I immediately started running too. It was a big event. There were a lot of people So all I could think was that there was a mass shooter in the crowd. That's what we all were thinking, and that's why we were running. People were crying, jumping over barricades, and getting trampled. It was honestly horrific. You could sense the fear, it was so palpable. And what made it worse was that no one really knew what was happening. We were all just running, assuming that what we thought would never happen to us was now actually happening to us. By the time I had gotten out of the concert area, there were cops everywhere and they were assuring us that nothing crazy had happened. Come to find out, some kind of fence had fallen and those at the front of the crowd mistook the sound that it made for gunfire. They panicked and started running for the exit. But no one had gotten shot. There was no firearm present. Thank God. Now, there is so much I could say about this incident The fact that thousands of people mistook a falling fence for gunfire shows you just how primed we are in this country to assume that a mass shooting is taking place. I actually saw a tweet last night that said, it's like we as a country have PTSD because of all the mass shootings that have taken place at events like this one. And that's extremely sad. But what struck me the most about this traumatic experience was the threat of death that I felt. During those brief moments when I was running for the exit, not knowing what was going on, the threat of death was so real. I, like so many others, literally thought I was running for my life. There was a sense of terror in the air and it was heavy. And as I walked to the subway station to go home, I was trying to process what had happened. And in the midst of that attempt to process things, I actually thought about a book I'm reading right now called The Cross and the Lynching Tree. It's written by the late James H. Cone, and it essentially talks about the deep-rooted relationship between racial terror and Christianity in this country. In the book, there are quite a few moments when he details the terror that often gripped the hearts of black people living in the Jim Crow South, especially during the infamous lynching era, which took place between 1880 and 1940. The threat of death was ever-present. And just to give you a sense of just how present it was, I would like to read you a passage from the book. In chapter one, which is titled, Nobody Knows the Trouble I See, The Cross and the Lynching Tree and the Black Experience, Cohn writes this, "'Whites acted in a superior manner for so long that it was difficult for them to even recognize their cultural and spiritual arrogance, blatant as it was to African Americans.' Their law was not designed to protect blacks from lynching, especially when blacks acted as if they were socially equal to whites. Should a black in the South lift his hands or raise his voice to reprimand a white person, he would incur the full weight of the law and the mob. Even to look at white people in a manner regarded as disrespectful could get a black lynched. Whites often lynch blacks simply to remind the black community of their powerlessness. Unemployed blacks passing through an area with no white man to vouch for them could easily find themselves on a prison chain gang or swinging from a lynching tree. There were many sundown towns in the South and the North, some with signs warning, nigger, don't let the sun set on your head, and others with no signs, but which could be fatal to blacks who happened to be passing through. When I think about what I experienced yesterday, This passage hits me so hard. Because of the threat of death I experienced for just a few brief moments, I cannot imagine what it was like for my ancestors who had the daily threat of death. They were constantly under its thumb. If they said or did anything that was perceived to be the wrong thing, or even if they didn't, they could die that day. And a gruesome death at that. Cone in the book talks about black people who were beaten and castrated and burned alive and shot multiple times even after they were already dead. Racial terror casted a shadow over the daily lives of black people and oftentimes there wasn't much they could do to escape it. Some were able to move to the north, but others weren't. And just as Cone pointed out, not even the blacks in the north were safe from being lynched. If you were black and in America during this time, this was the reality you had to grapple with on a constant basis. And what gets me is that even in the midst of all this racial terror, my ancestors still thrived. They still sang good songs and danced to righteous rhythms. They still fought for freedom and refused to let go of their hope. They still laughed and cooked and created and organized. They didn't just survive. They created a culture that is still gifting the world with beauty to this day. And as someone who experienced terror for a brief moment, I don't understand how they did it. But I do know that the blood that they had is coursing through my veins. And reminding myself of that fact always gives me the courage to keep going regardless of the circumstances. I don't know if I will ever be able to express enough gratitude for all those who sacrificed and fought for my right to exist in this moment in history. But I think the best thing I can do is carry on and do my part to help pave the freeway of justice and liberation for somebody else. So that's what I'm going to try and do. I want to dedicate this podcast episode to all those who have lost their lives due to racial terror. And so I would like to end this song, this podcast, with the song that was written and sung to draw attention to the lynching epidemic of the late 19th century and the early to mid 20th century. The song is called Strange Fruit. I don't own the rights to the song, but I'm going to play it anyway. I hope you'll listen to the lyrics and take a few moments to remember all those who have lost their lives to racial terror.
1: Seven trees, barren, strange fruit, blood on the leaves. At the roots, black bodies swinging in the southern breeze. Strange fruit hanging from the poplar trees. total scene of the gallant South. Them big bulging eyes and the twisted mouth. Scent of magnolia clean and fresh then the sudden smell strange and bitter